Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Hello, we have an awesome show today, and we will be interviewing Bob and Stephanie Green, author of Tying Their Shoes, and they just want to share what takes place when you all of a sudden find yourself in that situation where you're a parent or a soon-to-be parent. Um, maybe you're expecting your, your first child or you're adding on to a child. And how do we do this parenting thing, literally rubbing shoulders with this new baby and finding that Christ-centered hope? practical advice, and just encouragement, and you will find that through this book. But before we go into that interview, I want to talk a little bit about how do you keep the romance in a marriage, and especially, I know I have uh, children that are just starting that that new voyage, uh, that journey of two of them are married, and now they're starting to talk about what that's going to look like. Um, once they do have a baby, either through fostering, adopting, or actually having one, and how is that going to affect their marriage? So now I'm getting a little bit of, of you know, questions of what did you, you and dad do at this stage? And it's, it causes you to pause and really think about, um, what do we do? And I would have to say that, uh, for Kevin and I, it's a bit quirky in the way that we've kept romance in our marriage. And the, the number one thing that I would say is that it's based on prayer. And in the morning, we've had the blessing and the opportunity to be able to walk, go on hikes in the morning. And we've established just this habit of praying together. And it it's turned into this um, just a beautiful time in the morning of being able to have that intimacy in prayer. And it's, it's actually interesting because... The, when when I hear Kevin pray and when I really hear what's on his heart and what he's pouring out, just asking God uh, what to do or just in a, a state of gratitude, um, it, it just you fall in love all over again because it really is this glue that you have through through prayer. So I would say that's the number one thing. But also think of it at your marriage and as boring as house cleaning, you know, you have to tidy your house every day. Um, well, some of you are going, no, I don't really. But <laughs> as you go along, you know, you're throwing dishes in the dishwasher or you might swipe off the counter and it's just a daily thing. But often we have a big clean at least once a week. Hopefully I know for me, I, I do it on Saturdays and I'm one of those that I keep thinking, I don't know if it's, I'm in competition with myself, but you know, maybe on a Thursday, I'll start going, man, if I clean the toilets in the sink now, then I don't have such a big job on Saturday. So I try to get ahead of myself. But for the most part, we have this big clean at least once a week. And this keeps things healthy, enjoyable. Hopefully everyone that lives in your house enjoy this. And if you didn't pay attention to keeping things clean, no one would would want to live there. Not to throw my daughter under the bus, but 
you know, her bedroom. I don't really care to, to live in that bedroom by any means at all, especially when I open up her closet or look under her bed. So you do want to have that. And that's kind of how your, your marriage is. It's an everyday, your choice of keeping that romance there. And then, you know, once a week, hopefully you're, you're setting aside time to have that date night and to be intentional with dating your spouse. And I, I'm a strong advocate on that. Never stop dating your spouse. And I know Kevin and I have always said we have date night and it's either Friday night or Saturday night and we guard those nights because it's really easy to get pulled in all kinds of directions and it's neat because your kids see that even when we would have date night in our own house where we would we called it a kuna matata and we would put the kids on a movie and get them a pizza and they would sit in one room and we were over in another room and it was actually comical at times because they weren't allowed to step into that room because this is mommy and daddy time and you guys have your fun going on in there and you need to pretend that we're not even there and as they got older they would literally ask, hey, Friday night, can you guys do X, Y, Z or Saturday night or is it your date night? And so they even guarded that time and saw how significant and how intentional we were with having that time together. Another tip that I think is fun and I'm not as good at, at doing this is giving gifts. You know, surprise him or her with small gifts. For no reason whatsoever. And just doing those little thoughtful things. And I'm not talking go going out to Dillard's or Macy's and buying this extravagant gifts. Or you, you always have to give flowers or whatever. I'm saying it's the little things like hiding love notes. Uh, I will put it in Kevin's briefcase. Or, you know, I'll post it in his pocket. Um, maybe it's something silly. You can get, you know, creative. Uh <laughs> Your underwear, whatever, whatever you want to do to make it creative and fun. But just be intentional with that. Even if it's just fun little messages on their cell phone, don't ever stop that romance and just that fun part of, of giving gifts to each other, something that surprises them. And third, I think I'm on three. I said prayer, um, dates giving gifts. Okay, so we're on four. Laugh away the small irritations. Like pick your battles carefully. When you find that these idiosyncrasies that we have is really just this, all of a sudden you're you're creating this narrative in your head with, oh, I can't believe you said that, or I can't believe you rolled your eyes, or I can't believe. When you start getting in that everything is an irritant, you need to pause and look back and start praying that God will show you why you love this person in the first place. Because we have a tendency to start focusing on those irritations rather than focusing on why this person is so amazing. And nothing kills romance in marriage quicker than, you know, holding a grudge or nitpicking over every small, slight mess up that your spouse is doing. So learn to communicate in an adult way. Uh, an example, I know I was with a bunch of my girlfriends and they were talking about, you know, taking out the trash or even bringing the recycling to, you know, all the way to the curb. And they 
will mock their spouse like you forgot again uh or you know you're making a joke about it every single time like hey how hard is it to walk that thing out to the curb um or can you bring it out now please just pause and think you know maybe you go do it just get it done if it's bothering you that much then be the one that just makes it happen and I've said that in the past and people have said no because once you start doing it, then it becomes your chore and they just expect you to do that. But maybe do it and then in a non-conflicting moment, you know, have those conversations. Hey, I feel like for whatever reason, you know, I'm doing the dishes, I'm doing this, this and this and I'm taking out the trash. What would it look like if, you know, we, we changed up our chores or, you know, have those conversations and communicate. But the biggest thing is laugh away those irritations and, and pick your battles carefully instead of playing that narrative in your mind. The next thing, tip, trip, trick, technique, whatever you want to call it, is always choose romance. It is definitely a choice. You're not in that honeymoon stage, I'm assuming, anymore. And it, it's it's not moving uh, in infatuation. Now you have to choose the romance. So don't wait for the feeling of romance in marriage to show up and just, you know, magically appear. Sometimes it does. But most often, you have to choose to infuse your marriage with romance. And you do something romantic. I hear all the time women saying, oh, my husband is the least romantic person alive and doesn't do anything romantic. So be the one that's intentional each day with expressing, you know, gratitude. I I hear women say, I he doesn't even let me go out with my friends. I know some of them, they want to go play bunko or they want to go out shopping with their girlfriends or, or meet for you know, lunch somewhere and they get irritated at that because it's like, I never see you. And then I, I don't get the best of you because you always give your best to your friends. You hear comments like that is to have gratitude. When you do go out with your friends, come back and let them know how much you appreciate them and keep, um, just once again, just sharing that gratitude, giving them compliments that they start changing their mindset and realize, hey, when they go out with their friends, they come back and they're so appreciative of who, you know, they are as, as your spouse and that time that you have together with them. So be aware of that. Don't come back and, you know, be complaining about so-and-so's husband does this. So-and-so's husband puts gas in their car or goes shopping in the grocery store <laughs> or, you know, whatever that looks like. Make sure that you're coming back in an expression of an attitude of gratitude. Um, and, you know, appreciate what they do with you know, hey, I, I, I know you managed to put in eight hours at the office and you're, you help the kids with their homework and I'm just, I'm so lucky to be married to you. I think we get out of the habit of letting them know how lucky, how fortunate, how blessed we are to be married to them and then letting them know why. I know with Kevin, I just continuously tell him that even though I'm repeating myself and saying, I know I tell you this all the time, but I so appreciate when you're doing, you know, the dishes or I turn around and, and here you are, you know, mopping the floors or he, 
I can't believe I'm the luckiest person in life because he literally puts gas in my car all the time. I can count on my hands how many times I put gas in my car, which is comical because when I travel, I have a rental car and I'm always putting gas in my car when I'm not in my own state. And I, it just makes me really appreciate and realize how, um, how fortunate I am that I have this guy, my incredible husband that does the sweetest things. Know your love languages. He um, has his gifts of service. So I need to make sure that I'm doing that back for him. And lastly, before we go into our commercial break here, uh, This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Harvard Medical School reports that over 800,000 Americans have hip or knee replacement each year. It's better to stick with your own joint rather than having it replaced because the average joint that's replaced only lasts 10 to 15 years. So having the surgery done at age 50 instead of 70 means there's a good chance you'll need a second surgery when you are older and at higher risk for complications. They recommend that you take care when using your joints. And if you do have joint problems, try non-surgical approaches before turning to surgery. Your doctor may choose to use steroids or lubricating fluid injections to help ease the pain. But they say the most important thing you can do to care for your joints is lose weight. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. It's Marching Do you ever get nervous riding in an elevator because you're afraid the cable might snap? It's entered my mind more than once. According to Elevator World magazine, on the rare occasion a cable breaks, the car won't hunge plunge to the bottom. This is because elevators have as many as 10 cables holding them up, each capable of supporting a fully loaded car. Sometimes I feel a little mischievous in elevators. Next time you're feeling like a rapscallion, try one of these little jokes. When there's only one other person in the elevator, tap them on the shoulder and then pretend it wasn't you. Push one of the buttons and pretend it gave you a shock. Or maybe start a sing-along. What's a word for a person who thinks he's funny but no one else does? Vitzel suit. It's marching day report. 
I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The most effective way to manage the risk of diabetes is through a good, healthy diet and daily exercise. But you may be happy to learn that coffee can also reduce the risk of type 2 diabetes. The Archives of Internal Medicine published a study where researchers found that each additional cup of regular coffee consumed each day cut the risk of developing type 2 diabetes by 7%. They found that those who drank 3 to 4 cups a day had a 25% lower risk than those who drank 2 cups a day or less. As far as decaf is concerned, those who drank 3 to 4 cups per day lowered their risk by one-third compared to those who drank none. Even tea drinkers saw a 20% lower risk if they consumed 3 to 4 cups daily compared to those that did not drink tea. So pour that extra cup of java and enjoy. I'm Annette Hammond. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author and intuitive, Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelov live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. As promised, we have awesome guests today, Rob Green and his wife, Stephanie Green, author of Tying Their Shoes. And this this book is an awesome book if you are out there expecting parents to welcome a new addition into their home in light of the gospel. Or if you're a first-time soon-to-be parent, um, also if you're expecting an additional child, um, you will find Christ-centered hope, practical advice, and encouragement through this book. So welcome, Rob and Stephanie. How are you? 
We're Doing great. Ready. Thanks. Thank you. Yes, and Rob, I noticed you're actually Dr. Rob Green, and you're the pastor of Counseling and Seminary Ministries at Faith Church in Indiana. And Stephanie, you, uh, you're you a homemaker, but you used to be a registered nurse for yeah. more than a decade. Yeah, primarily in the newborn nursery and postpartum units. Uh, so you must have story after story to share of, you know, being there and actually, especially in the nursery, seeing what takes place as a new parent. I have lots of stories, yes. <laughs> well, tell us, using those stories, I'm sure it was probably how God was pushing you towards um, co-authoring this book. Tell us a little bit about your journey of why you even came up with writing uh, this amazing book, Tying Their Shoes, and I love the name. The title is awesome. Uh, first of all, it's a, uh, a second book. The first one uh, was one that I did by myself called Tying the Knot, which was a guide to premarital counseling. And part of the, the just the success of that book and people being encouraged by it encouraged us to say, well, you know, maybe if people were helped preparing for a marriage, then maybe they would also be encouraged as they think about the transition from two to three or maybe even three to four. And so that was one of the reasons. Uh, a second reason is Stephanie and I have had the privilege of serving in our church with young couples for over a decade. And as a result of that, uh, we just see many, many young couples welcome a new addition to their home. And uh, sometimes the transition from two to three is a little challenging. And so this is, to some degree, some material that we've taught in our Adult Bible Fellowship before. Uh, in other senses, it was an opportunity for us to expand uh, what we had done, give some thought to it, and uh, hope to help those who are about ready to expect uh, another child uh, to be ready for that from a spiritual perspective. Mm-hmm. And so what would be some of your advice that you would give to parents who are adding either their, their first child or another child into the family? Well, one thing that we emphasize is the importance of having Christ at the center of your life. And one of the reasons why that's so important is that you're going to experience things that you'd never even dreamed of before. You know, all of a sudden you have this new baby who is totally dependent on you, and it is wonderful, it's sweet, and you're loving every minute of it. But there's also this sense of, wow, this is a lot of energy. It's a lot of time. And it has now consumed a significant portion of my being. And as a result of that, it can easily morph into a person finding their core identity in being a mom or being a parent. And what we wanted to encourage them to do is to remember that um, those who know Christ as their Lord and Savior are, first of all, Christians. And, yes, the role of mom or the role of dad is really important and really valuable, but it doesn't take the place of being a God-honoring believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love how in your book you talk about, you know, you, you are the lead. They are watching if you have other, you know, siblings, other um, children. They're watching everything that you do. And when you're excited, they're excited. If you're moping around that you didn't sleep at night and you're complaining and this is the worst day ever, then you set the tone. I mean, everything you do, uh, how you show up, and that just seems like it's obvious, but I think we have to be reminded 
of that. If you act like this new baby is a gift from God, then all the siblings will, will follow your lead. And I, I just think that that's so important. We don't realize that we really are setting the tone in the house. Absolutely. So, so, go ahead, Stephanie. I interrupted you there. Oh, no, absolutely. I was going to say, and, you know, it reminds me of the passage in Deuteronomy that says we are to be teaching our children all day about who the Lord is. You know, when we get up in the morning, during the day, at nighttime, and having an attitude that they are a gift and pointing out things throughout each and every day um, of who God is, that is so important. And that sets the tone of who God is in their lives as well. And And even as your kids get older, there's this opportunity to emphasize this same reality. Uh, You know, you want to begin when they're born so that sets your own uh, thought process in that direction. But then as they get older, one of the things that we used to uh, tell our kids when we would go on vacation there's some age gap between them. Our oldest is 21, our youngest is 12. And so what the 21-year-old might like is a little bit different than what the 12-year-old might like. And so when you're even on vacation, you just learn to get excited about everything. And we would teach them about the importance of everybody winning all the time. Instead of having a you win sometimes and you lose sometimes, it was a you win all the time. And uh, the reason that you win all the time is sometimes you get to do exactly what you want to do, And other times you get the privilege of being um, part of doing something that someone you love wants to do. And so, in other words, you win every time. And uh, that's a mindset that you can start developing uh, even at the very beginning. All right. That's powerful. That is very powerful. You win every time because, you know, you you get into the real world and you start working in corporate and you just feel like no one listens to my ideas. No one's doing it my way. And we start getting into this entitlement. So to be able to teach them at such a young age that everyone wins all the time, that is really powerful. Because I have a tendency to be one of those parents that I'm continuously going, well, life isn't fair. (laughs) That's that's a real negative way of looking at it rather than saying, yeah, everyone wins. Amazing. I love that. I also want to say, just going back into, you know, Deuteronomy of you're, you're teaching them in every moment. I always, you know, wanted to have that time in the morning with them and you're really creating that spiritual discipline of having devotions together as a family. And I feel like that happened when they were younger, but as we got, as they got older, it just wasn't taking place. And to, to, Look back on that to go, okay, but you are, you're doing it every day in how you're showing up and how you're bringing Christ into it in those conversations. So I think that is powerful. Do you have more tips on that, on how you bring it into the daily? Well, one example that um, comes to me right off the top of my head is I remember one day when we were driving and we needed to go to the store and we were in a hurry. It may have been raining and, you know, you, as a young mom, With little ones, you're trying to get them out of the car seats and get them into the store, everybody in one piece there. And I just remember pulling up, and there was a spot, a parking spot, right next to the store. And I just looked at that and said, oh, wow, we can thank God for providing this spot for us. He knew that we needed to get in and out, and look at that. He provided a spot for us. So it can be just something as simple as, 
acknowledging who God is and thanking him for just the little provisions throughout each and every day, even mm-hmm. as simple as a parking spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when they're younger, uh, you know, some of the people who would be thinking about having kids and maybe uh, reading a resource like this, um, they can begin to think about this from day one where, um, you know, when their child isn't sleeping as well as they would like. Um, here's an opportunity for me uh, to demonstrate love, to live out what gospel-centered love really looks like, um, even when I'm tired, um, even when I'm a little bit grumpy, uh, even when what I would really like is for my child to sleep right now so that I can sleep. Um, there's still this mentality that says, um, my life is all about Christ, and I'm going to find as many ways as possible to try to bring it out into the daily moments of my life. And it could be um, caring for a child when the child's not sleeping like we would like. It could be finding a parking spot and thanking God for it. It really has a lot of potential uh, ways to see God's work in your life in the daily moments. And I think mm-hmm. another thing is, um, you know, if your child is, when they're a little bit older, if they're really struggling with something, taking those struggles to the Lord with them, just sitting and praying about that and then seeing how God works through that prayer can be very powerful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of, you know, fear-based preparation to, to parents. And what you guys do a great job of giving advice and, and encouragement on what can be helpful, especially for those soon-to-be parents, even with how people come along and, you know, you have your naysayers, you have, your, you know, those people that want to tell you exactly how you should be doing things. And you have people coming along saying all the issues that they had and they want to tell you every single aspect of the pain that they've you know, experienced in their life. Oh, yeah. So what are some tips of, you know, just encouraging those parents that are out there that you guys share in your book? One of the first things I like to look um, at is encouraging moms to think through Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is true, whatever is pure, right, honest, um, think on those things. And I like to encourage moms to think through that grid. You know, if there's somebody that has come along and said something to them or has shared their story, which wasn't so encouraging, to think it through the grid of Philippians 4, 8. Is it truth? Is it truth that uh, in my life right now? And if not, don't spend a lot of time dwelling on those things. And then also, um, I encourage moms to find somebody, an older lady who is godly, who is um, willing to come alongside them and mentor them and kind of help them through some of those fears that they hear or experience through other young moms. You know, I just add to that that one of the ways that um, we can help is to remind ourselves that we don't have to make this parenting thing more complicated or more simple than what it is. You know, we believe one of the statements we often make is parenting is war. And uh, it's war over, not with our kids, but it's for our kids. It's Mm -hmm. war for their hearts. It's war for their allegiance so that what they are going to do is worship Christ most. And so it's us pointing them over and over again to the Lord where they're going to have other sources that are pointing them in other directions. 
And yes, we have to work at understanding our children, and yes, we have to be knowledgeable ourselves. But one of the things that helps us with our fears is remembering that we all live under the good and sovereign hand of the Lord. And so basic Christian teachings like identity and grace and obedience, purpose, priorities, and dependence on the Lord make up the core of life. And so when a a new parent or an expecting parent hears all the horror stories, oh, my goodness, the terrible twos, or the nasty fours, or whatever, um, then they can begin to remind themselves, well, hold on, I have to make this more complicated than what it is. And what I need to do is remember the basic Christian teachings, focus on them, to remind myself that perfect love casts out fear, uh, to love Christ, to love our spouse, to love our children, to learn all that we can, to be wise and thoughtful, and then we're going to place the results in the grace and strength of the Lord and rely on Him for whatever's going to come about. So I, I can remember just, you know, as a new parent, we were told all about the terrible twos, and those were things we didn't experience. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that our more challenging time happened later. So our, the two-year-old stage was very simple. We thought we were great parents. Yeah, until they turned like four, and then uh, reality struck. Uh, and so it was a good reminder that you don't know how it all is going to shake out, but what you do do is focus on what the Lord gives you and uh, to take each day one at a time to remind yourself that you are at war. And when you have those days where you feel like you lost, um, you wake up the next morning, dust yourself off, and ask God for help. And on that note, we're going to be right back after this. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriended. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Some think that dessert is a naughty word. But it doesn't have to be. If you are a dessert lover, you will be happy to know that there are good choices that you can make so you can satisfy your sweet tooth and your after-dinner ritual of having dessert. Aim for low-calorie choices like low-fat Greek yogurt or 100-calorie popcorn. Both of these will fill you up and satisfy your yearning for dessert. There are also many good choices in the freezer section. Weight Watchers make several good dessert options. They are delicious and very satisfying. Placing fresh berries over low-calorie angel food cake is delicious and nutritious. Sorbet, frozen grapes, baked apples, and chocolate-covered strawberries are all delectable. Choose healthy, low-calorie desserts and indulge. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. 
like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. chatting with Dr. Rob Green, the pastor of Counseling and Seminary Ministries in Faith Church, Lafayette, Indiana, and also Stephanie Green, his wife, who is a homemaker and also mentors women in Faith Church, uh, Indiana. And both of them have had several um, mini books that they've written, but now they have reached out and co-authored this book, Tying Their Shoes, A Christ-Centered Approach to Preparing for Preparing for Parenting. And we just left and went on to commercial break talking about how others, those outside forces, can come along and uh, can be discouraging at times. And, Rob, you were saying, you know, just focus on on the positive, focus at what God is is sharing with you. Stephanie, you mentioned Philippians of looking at just the truth. What is the truth? And I want to get into it just seems like I don't know if it's the season of life that I'm in where I see my kids and their friends that have had so many experiences in and difficulties in becoming pregnant. Just they're wanting to be parents so badly. But the issues of infertility, um, miscarriage, they're looking into foster and adopting and that can be so incredibly hard and very discouraging. And we just, we forget sometimes of just not only are they dealing with the struggles emotionally, but now there's the court cases, there's all the training there, you know, people are coming into your home saying, oh, you don't have this and you have too many dogs and you have, so it, it now you're really having to figure out how, how in the world am I going to get through this? I love that you mentioned, you know, the support group finding a mentor, uh, but what what are some other tips that you can give to them just to encourage those that are out there in that infertility situation? Well, I'm glad you brought the issue up because in our ministry to young couples over the last decade plus, uh, I don't think there has been a time when we haven't had at least one couple who was struggling with issues of infertility or miscarriage or both. Mm-hmm. And so it's part of the story of human life, and it certainly fits in the category of suffering. So one of the things we want to help our friends to do is to learn how to suffer. Uh, we're going to face suffering in life. It's part of uh, the life that we have in this beautiful, uh, created world by God, but also broken and twisted by sin. And so as a result, um, learning how to suffer is an important part of the Christian life. And so we encourage them to be honest about it. You know, one of the things that we uh, really learn about both, you know, when people hear that we have kids that are 21, 16, and 12, they think, wow, you guys just really did amazing family planning. And uh, the fact of the matter is, is that's not even close to being true. Um, Every child was a struggle. And so we are very thankful for the three that we have, and uh, we understand that, um, you know, we've gone through at least a little bit of the infertility struggle. We've gone through miscarriage, and so we've been at least to some degree uh, where some of those couples are. Uh, 
and have certainly ministered to a lot of them. And so what we want to help them do is learn how to suffer, and that means I'm going to be face it honestly. You know, we didn't even know there was such a thing as a miscarriage until we had one. Um, and we didn't know of all the people who suffered one until we had one, and then they seemed to come out of the woodwork. Then we want to help them uh, to continue to pray to the Lord. You know, sometimes when you ask God to give you a child and you've asked God for five years and the answer has been no every time, it gets really discouraging, and sometimes people quit asking. And so one of the things we want to help them in rightly suffering is to continue to go to the Lord again and again and again, then to look for his grace. Again, sometimes when we're struggling and we're frustrated and we're disappointed, one of the things that we do is stop looking for God's work in our lives. Uh, We shrink our vision down to the size of our suffering. And so we read everything through the grid of our infertility or through our miscarriage. And yet Mm. God's grace is still working. When Paul prayed, um, Lord, would you please remove this thorn in the flesh? God said, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, he said, no, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to provide grace along the way. And then to trust in the Lord and a good God who's going to care for them. So part of the answer is learning how to suffer. The second part of the answer is embracing the life that you have. I remember John Piper was asked a question about how you deal with difficulties, and he said it so succinctly when he said, you know, you you cry, you grieve over your losses, and then you dry your your tears and embrace the life that God has given you. Powerful advice, um, reminding that us that God has given us a life, and we need to be a good steward of that life. And maybe uh, that's going to involve um, having biological children. Maybe it will involve adopting. Maybe it will involve foster or foster to adopt. But ultimately, God's, um, our lives are in God's hands. And so it's an opportunity for us um, to trust him in the midst of it, to embrace what we have, and to focus on today instead of worrying about tomorrow. And then, of course, the last thing, at least I'll mention, is the opportunity that they then have to care about others who are going through similar struggles. Um, They don't have to suffer alone. They don't have to watch their friends suffer alone. It's something that they can um, endure together. One of the passages that I really like um, is found in Hebrews 4, 15, and 16. And it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And, you know, one of the things that's easy to do um, is to turn away from the Lord during these times. But this passage is encouraging us to draw near to God. Draw near to him, go to him, be in his word, call out, pray to him. And when we do, we're going to receive that mercy. We're going to receive grace, and we're going to be helped in a time of need such as those. Okay, I'm I'm typing away here because uh, just some very poignant thoughts that you guys are, are putting down. And I, I'm going to just be devil's advocate. You know, we, we, we say this, and... This is powerful, especially what you just said about we have a tendency to turn away from God and we, we blame God. And then you, 
you just, you know, you, you walk the other way. Cause it's like, okay, God, you're not showing up for me. So I am going to go down this, this other path. And instead it's just spiraling and it's making it worse because you're putting your hope in the wrong places. Is there something tangible to help them? You know, we, we have a tendency to go get into scripture and we know that it's, it's a fact. You have to, you know, spend that time drawing closer um, to God. He's there. He's not going anywhere. Uh, is there another thing that just helped you guys when you were dealing with a little bit of the, you know, the infertility that when you did feel like, okay, I'm turning away from the Lord right now, was there something else that was tangible to, to go to when you don't even feel like getting into scripture. I mean, you really just are angry at God. I think one of the things that we can do is actually go to scripture with that very point. And the reason I say that is in Psalm 13, we're told that David wrote this Psalm. And of course, David is well known as a man after God's own heart. And yet listen to what he says. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? I mean, in this passage, David is expressing the very things you just described. Mm -hmm. God, you've forgotten about me. You don't care about me. You're not interested in what's happening in my life. In fact, you're allowing my enemies to be exalted over me. And in the case that we're talking about here... That enemy is this infertility or this miscarriage, this child that we lost. It's the, that's our enemy, and it's winning. Mm -hmm. And yet David says, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death, and my enemy will say I have overcome him, and my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. And so even in those moments where we are um, mad at God and we are asking God, what is the deal? You know, why is it that this is happening to me? I mean, I hear, in the case of infertility, I hear of all of these ladies who aren't married giving birth to kids, and I'm married and I want one. They don't even want one. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I do. Why is it that something good is being withheld from me when it's being given to somebody who doesn't even want the child. Mm -hmm. So that picture is a very powerful one, but it's also one that God acknowledges. And God wasn't afraid to have that conversation with one of his people who was struggling in that way. David says, um, how long will you hide your face from me? It's like God is playing this cosmic game of hide and seek. And David's like, every time I go searching for you, I, I, I think I'm about ready to find you. And then you move hiding space uh, spots. Mm -hmm. And then I go find you again. It's a powerful picture of that experience you just described. But then David counsels us to consider me and answer me, oh, Lord, my God, to continue to go to the Lord, even in the midst of our anger or our frustration, and to be reminded that um, our enemies, he, David says this, the enemies will win if I don't have your help. Mm. If I don't have your help, the enemies will be exalted over me. And so there isn't another source that's going to solve the problem. There isn't another source that's going to take it all away. It's going back to the Lord. And the way the psalm ends is, I've trusted in your loving kindness. My heart will rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has been good to me. 
and that is a process. You don't get there overnight. But as you are honest with the Lord, just like David was, and as you continue to seek the Lord, just as David did, then we come to the place where we continue to trust him in the midst of our struggles. Mm-hmm. Powerful. It's it's so powerful. And it's hard because you know the answers. You know that the answers you know are in Christ, and you want to just shove Scripture down those that are crying out to God. So I, I love that. And we just have a couple minutes. I'm going to switch gears here and just ask, because I just had this conversation literally this morning. Do you believe that God is that I'm sorry, that the Bible is completely inspired by God? Or do you believe that we really need to dive deep and see where the culture is? And I'm so sorry. That will have to be a side conversation. We just finished the show. And thank you guys for being on the show today. Thanks so much. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's 